Welcome once again to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. Like Paul, we see things as they really are when the scales fall from our eyes. In this episode, Pastor Andrew explores the awesome things that happen when ordinary men and women say yes to God's call. Who are you? That was Paul's question after this light had shone and thrown him off his donkey. He was a well-respected official of the Jewish nation and the Jewish leadership on his way to Damascus to wipe out the sect of the Christians who were claiming that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. And this light shone from heaven, threw him off his donkey, and Paul is just thrown by this. Do you realize that almost every spiritual event in our life begins with God. He begins the conversation with us. It's then up to us whether we will have the conversation and listen to him and heed what he says. So Jesus, apart from throwing him off his donkey, starts by saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me and then Saul said well who are you and I'm not quite sure how you get the feelings that Saul might have had at that point but I'm sure he's totally thrown this is out of the blue this is something he wasn't expecting and then the voice says I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting why are you doing this Saul and Saul really is terribly Undone. His whole life now, his whole understanding of life has just fallen apart. The very God whom he thought he was defending was the God whom he was persecuting. And this is a call. And this morning we hear of two calls, the call of Paul and the call of Peter. And they are significant. Because seriously, they are the leadership of the new Christian church. Peter is basically the apostle of the apostles. And Paul is the theologian from God. It is Paul that puts understanding of just what has occurred in that the Son of God becoming a human person in Jesus Christ and dying on the cross and rising from the dead. It is Paul that explains to us what this is really about. And that is his call. When God says to this poor disciple Ananias, I want you to go down to a certain street where there's a man named Saul and want to tell him some things. And he's saying, but God, don't you know this guy is killing all the Christians? You want me to go to the guy that has authority from Jerusalem to wipe us out? He's trying to wipe out your church here. God, are you serious? 
And God says to him, no, 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 no. This man is my chosen. He is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and their people of Israel. A chosen man. Now, I don't know how many people you meet in a week. But you know, some of them at least, are God's chosen. He has a purpose for their life. He knows who they are. We might not know who they are, but God knows who they are. And he has a purpose for them. And that purpose, more often than not, requires an engagement with them by someone like Ananias. And Ananias was just an ordinary, everyday disciple of Jesus. He wasn't one of the apostles. He wasn't the leadership. He was just a faithful disciple of Jesus. And Jesus decides it's Ananias who's going to tell Paul what he needs to do. And God tells Ananias, you're going to go in and you're going to tell him and he knows you're coming. He knows who you are. He knows that you're coming. And you're going to pray for the guy because he is my chosen. And when Ananias finally goes in and speaks to Saul, now by the way, Saul and Paul are the same person. So Saul is his Hebrew name before his conversion. He becomes Paul after that. And Ananias says to Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road that you were coming here and sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the problems that had occurred on the Damascus Road was that once Jesus had finished the conversation and Saul opened his eyes, he couldn't see. He was blind. And he remained blind. And his friends had to take him into Damascus and they set him up in a house where he was just sitting, waiting for whatever God was going to do next. And it says that immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And I think that that is a significant statement. Because Saul was blind long before he hit the Damascus Road. He was so blind that he couldn't see in Jesus the presence of the very God that he served and worshipped. He couldn't see that this Jesus was in fact the Messiah that had been promised to them. And you know, sometimes we are spiritually blind. We don't get or see what God's trying to get through to us. And sometimes we need the scales of our own eyes to fall away that we can really see and understand what God's on about what God's doing, what he intends. 
and what He has chosen for us to do. And sometimes it takes a long time for us to get a hold of what God put us on this planet for in the first place. What was his intention? What does he have for us? Have we taken it up? Or have we allowed the things of our life, the troubles, the problems, the difficulties, to hold back that revelation? To hold back taking the steps that he asks us to take to fulfill his purpose and will for our lives. I remember years ago, Wiki Prattney telling the story of a young Christian man who worked in a factory environment and in this factory was also working a member of a very violent bikey gang. And God told this young man to go up to this bikey and tell him that God loves him. And he just couldn't do it. He was terrified of the guy. But day after day, God would lay on him. And then finally, he took up some courage, walked up to this gentleman who was at that point making some knuckle dusters for a fight that he was going to have that night said, Jesus loves you, and ran for his life. Just took off. And that bike, he never got to that fight that night. He was converted on the spot. Just by that simple statement, Jesus loves you. But it was the obedience of being the Ananias in that situation with the threatening guy who was out to kill you, and if he just looked at you, you would die on the spot. Not too many of us have those situations. Yet we still find it difficult to tell someone how much Jesus loves them. And so for us as a church, individuals, We need to be in this place where we're saying to God, Amen. Whenever God says, I want you to do this, it's Amen. I'll do it. And if God has a church like that, it can't help but grow. I remember back in our days in Colac, which is a long time ago, and I had just come home from a church function And it was about 40 degrees. It was hot. And I could see this cloud, massive black cloud coming across. And I would say, within an hour, we were going to have rain. So I raced inside, grabbed a packet of bean seeds, went out to my veggie garden and planted these bean seeds. Now, I don't know if you're a gardener, but you plant some seeds, you throw some water on them, and sometime or other, they will grow. They will sprout up. I planted these seeds. Within 24 hours, they were growing up above the ground. The ground was so hot, and the rain was so intense, 
they couldn't help but grow. So we as a church can't help but grow if we continue to feed ourselves on the things of God. To be men and women and children available to God for whatever he intends and for whoever he intends it for. To be like Ananias. He was just an ordinary guy. And he unleashed Paul on the world. He unleashed Paul on the Jewish community because the passage ends and once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Imagine you're the Jewish community in this story. And Saul has arrived from Jerusalem. We have authority from the high priest to wipe out the Christians. And they would invite him to the pulpit or to stand up and to say a few words. And he begins by saying that Jesus Christ is in fact our Messiah. What's going on here? Not only did Saul surprise the Jewish community, he also surprised the Christian community. But it was Ananias that unleashed Paul and brought to the church its greatest theologian ever. And indeed, he was the man who brought the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. It was his agenda for the rest of his life. And he did it well. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that can turn a man like Paul around in such a dramatic way? A man convinced that he was doing the right thing. Who is this Jesus? And in Revelation it says this. Then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing in the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of the throne to him who sat on it. Who was this Jesus? He's the lamb that was slain. It goes on to say, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. One of the dynamic things about Jesus is not just up there watching what's going on. He's down here active in what is going on. 
When we speak in his name, we're not alone. He's there beside us as we speak. His death on the cross and resurrection from the dead show the intensity of God's love and concern for every human person on this planet. There's not one person that God is not concerned for. And yet there are people out there who don't know him. And then as we had in our sentence of the day, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. So as we move forward in our own lives and as a church, we need to grasp again who it is that we serve and why we serve him. To take the heart of God's call on our life that we might walk with him and serve him for eternity. And then we had Peter. Peter was probably one of the most down-to-earth persons you could find. He also had foot and mouth disease, putting his foot in his mouth time and time again. Had denied Jesus three times before the crucifixion had vowed that he never knew him. And there had been some evidence of Jesus' resurrection and now they're in limbo. And he says to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. And they agree to go with him. One of the things when you are under great stress And when you are feeling great tension, it's just to do the ordinary things, to tidy up, mow the lawns, tidy the house, fix things up. It just somehow rather reorientates you to allow whatever the stress issues are to begin to be worked through properly and resolved. But Jesus takes Peter aside and on three occasions asks him, Peter, do you love me? On two of those occasions, Jesus asks, using the greatest word for love in the Jewish language, agape. And Jesus says, Peter, do you Agape me. And Peter responds by saying, I filio you. I love you as a friend. Because Peter at this point had no confidence in his own ability to commit to anything, even with Jesus. And then the third time, Jesus says to Peter, Do you love me as a friend? And Peter's grieved at this point because Jesus has asked it three times. I don't know if you've read the Bible right through, 
But you know, the greatest men and women of God fail. And not only do they fail, the Bible makes it blatant that they fail. It does not hide their failures. It's not into promoting them and playing down the difficult bits. No, it actually lays it out there. Why? Because God never wants us to forget when we failed him. And he's restored us. And Jesus restores Peter this time. But it's not the only time that Jesus will give Peter instructions three times. At each revelation of God's purpose for Peter, God reminds him that you denied me three times. Is God just wanting to rub that in? No, I think he wants us to remember our frailty. Have you ever felt inadequate? Have you ever felt frail? Have you ever felt you weren't up to it? That's fine. Actually, that's normal. It's what you do next that becomes awesome. That despite the frailty, despite the failure, despite the feelings, you're going to get up and do what God asked you to do. And that's all these men and women did. Despite all that was against them, especially within themselves, they got up and they did what God asked them to do. And that fulfills his call and his purpose on our life. Let's pray. I'm going to pray for revelation for us. We're not in this place by accident. We're not part of this church by accident. And God has chosen us for a purpose. And Father God, we pray that your purpose for each and every one of us will become clearer in the weeks ahead. That we might understand your call on our life, your specific purpose for each one of us. That despite our frailties, inadequacies, fears and doubts. That you will give us the faith to stand up and do what you've asked us to do and to do it with all our heart. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.